All right, so 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse 1. Uh, as I re- before I read this scripture, just kind of set this up for you. And we're going to be looking at, we're going to be in 1 Samuel and, and from 10 to probably chapter around 15 and just kind of going down. Um, and at this time, the children of Israel were requesting a king. They were asking at the time they didn't have a king. They had been ruled by judges for many, many years. They didn't have a king. And the nations around them had kings. And so the nation of Israel was like, we want to have a king like everybody else. Give us a king. Give us a king. And so we'll pick up in 1 Samuel chapter 1. Finally, you know, the Lord, well, let me, let me, before I read it, the Lord finally was like, hey, okay, if you want to, I'm your king. I, I, I'm, you know, you don't need a king, but if you want a king, he said, I, I'll give you one, but I'll tell you what kind of man that this king will be. So finally, God goes to the prophet Samuel, we're reading in 1 Samuel, and he was given messages to, the, to Israel at this time through the prophet Samuel. So he gave this message to Samuel in, in 1 Samuel 10.1. He said this, Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it over Saul's head. He kissed Saul and said, I am doing this because the Lord has appointed you to be the ruler over Israel, his special possession. Now drop down with me to verse 6. We're going to read verses 6 through 12. I'm reading in the New Living Translation. It said, at that time, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon you, uh, will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them. You will be changed into a different person. After these signs take place, do what must be done, for God is with you. Then go down to Gilgal ahead of me. I will join you there to sacrifice burnt offerings and peace offerings. You must wait for seven days until I arrive and give you further instructions. As Saul turned and started to leave, God gave him a heart, a new heart, I'm sorry, and all Samuel's signs were fulfilled that day. When Saul and his servant arrived at Gibeah, they saw a group of prophets coming toward them. Then the Spirit of God came powerfully upon Saul, and he too began to prophesy. When those who knew Saul heard about it, they exclaimed, what? Is even Saul a prophet? How did the son of Kish become a prophet? And one of those standing there said, Can anyone become a prophet no matter who his father is? So that is the origin of the saying, Is even Saul a prophet? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are a teacher, you are a counselor, and that uh, you shine light on the word and, and revelation on your word. So, Father, I pray for a greater revelation than we've ever seen uh, tonight. As, as we get into your word, Lord, help me, give me greater unction and anointing to clearly and accurately present your word. And Lord, I pray most importantly, give us the grace and the strength to live it out and apply it to our lives each and every day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This verses 6 through 12 is a great picture of what God does for us and in us whenever we get saved. When we get born again and give our lives to Christ, this is a great picture of what it said about Saul. It said that, you know, and he does to us, he changes us into a totally different person, right? How many of y'all say, man, I'm completely different. As I mentioned earlier, I'm a totally different person than I was 15 plus years ago, right? And then part of that, he gives us a new heart, right? He changes our hearts. He softens our heart. He gives us a new heart. I was actually reading that this morning in Ezekiel that he gives us. He, he takes our stony, hard, stubborn hearts and gives us a soft heart like his own. And then he anoints us and the spirit of the Lord comes upon us and fills us in a powerful way. Amen. That's what happens when we get born again. You know, he does all this so we can know him in an intimate way, which again is our first step of the journey that we've been talking about for weeks now. And it's to know God. 
First step of journey is that we must know God in an intimate way. As Pastor Todd just just recapped the whole uh, vision and the journey that God has for all of us. This is a good picture with Saul that whenever they anointed him, all these transformations took place in Saul. And that's what happens with us. So after seeing and hearing Saul prophesy, the people ask, can anyone become a prophet no matter who his father is? In other words, what the people were saying was, can God use anyone? And the answer is yes, a resounding yes. God can use anyone. Pastor Todd said that Sunday too. If God can use a donkey, man, that's hope for all of us, right? Yes, God can use anyone. Listen, I, I just I want to say this tonight again. It doesn't matter who your father or your mother is, what's your background, what's your history, what educational level you are at, or what your economic status is, etc. God can and will use you. If you allow him to, right? Because God has a purpose specifically for you and he wants to use you to make a difference, right? This is step three and four of, of God's vision for our lives is to find your purpose and to make a difference. So we're going to look at step two. I know I skipped steps two, but we're going to look at that in a little more detail here in a minute. See, just like Saul, he has and will equip us to do what he's called us to do. Peter says it this way in 2 Peter 1.3, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. Isn't that good? And I, really, and it's past tense. It says God has given us everything we need. Not he will give us. It says he's given it to us. Past, uh, the past tense, so meaning, and the reason why is because the Holy Spirit is living within us, right? He's given us the Holy Spirit. So with God himself, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit living in us, the Bible says he has given us everything we need to live a godly life, to fulfill our divine purpose and to make a difference, right? So my question tonight is why do some Christians not walk in their divine purpose and destiny. Why is it that some Christians that are born again, filled with the Spirit, not walk in their divine destiny? Well, some of the main reasons is because of their circumstances, situations, and also decisions that we make that can delay or even sometimes destroy our destiny. And the name of this message tonight is don't delay your destiny. I'm believing that nobody's going to destroy their destiny. I'm praying and hoping, but don't delay your destiny. We're going to use Saul's life. And I was telling my wife that who was eating lunch this morning. I kind of feel bad. Like poor Saul, man. Like every time I preach on Saul, it's always in a negative way. You know, you look at Saul, you know, like Thomas, like we're going to get to heaven and we, hey, doubting Thomas. And he's going to be like, man, why has this stuck on me all these years? Right. But truth is truth, right? You can parallel people's lives. Again, I said, I think I say it a lot, but Paul says it. The reason we look at Old Testament stories, Paul said these things were types and shadows. He says that in 1 Corinthians. All these stories are types and shadows to teach us a lesson today. So these, all these Old Testament stories, God's put there, and it's all pictures, types, and shadows of what we can learn from. Some we can learn, like, man, we want to be like this guy, and but we want to learn from some people's mistakes and not do this, right? So we're going to do that with Saul's life. We're going to look at a few bad decisions that Saul uh, made that destroyed his destiny. So we saw Saul anointed as king, and now he's going to be proclaimed king. So let's drop down a little further. If you're in First Samuel 10, uh, verse 20 now, let's look at verse 20. It says, so Samuel brought all the tribes of Israel before the Lord, and the tribe of Benjamin was chosen by Lot. Then he brought each family of the tribe of Benjamin before the Lord, and the family of the Madrites were chosen. And finally, Saul, son of Kish, was chosen from among them. 
But when they looked for him, he had disappeared. So they asked the Lord, where is he? And the Lord replied, he is hiding among the baggage. So they found him and brought him out. And he stood head and shoulders above anyone else. Then the then Samuel said to all the people, this is the man the Lord has chosen as your king. No one in all Israel is like him. Man, every time I read that, it sticks out. I mean, number one, I want to encourage you, stop hiding among your baggage. We all have baggage in our life. We all do, right? We all got junk, right? Okay, me and Stuart do, and my wife. We, let me encourage you, or let me inform you. All of us have some form of baggage in our life. We have some kind of junk. Thankfully, we don't have to stay in it. And we're trying to encourage you. But more specifically, when we talk about our purpose and our destiny and wanting to make a difference, sometimes people hide among the baggage. I love how the New Living Translation says that. I remember I read that years ago, and it just popped out of the page. He was hiding among the baggage, I guess the war equipment and, you know, all that kind of stuff, whatever it was, what it was. But sometimes we know we have baggage, and we use that as an excuse to not fulfill the divine destiny on our life. Well, I can't do that, man. I'm messed up. I'm jacked up, man. I got some issues in my life. Hey, join the club, man. We all got issues in our lives. And, but the Lord wants to continue to work that is. He don't want us to hide among our baggage. Uh, look at what Saul said in the chapter before. This, this verse I'm about to read is after Samuel tells Saul that he and his family are going to be the focus of Israel's hope. I mean, Samuel's prophesying great things. 1 Samuel 9, 21, I'm going back a chapter. Saul replied, but I am only from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe of Israel. My family is the least important of all the families of that tribe. Why are you talking to me like this? You know, let me just give some examples of maybe some baggage in our life. Like Saul, it can be the baggage of insecurity because of how you see yourself, how others see you, or maybe just the insecurity of the family that you come from. See him, he said, man, I'm the least tribe. I'm the least in my family. It, it really wasn't too much about him. He was more worried about like, I, I can't do all of this stuff. Look at my family. You know, he wasn't as much worried about how he was messed up. He was kind of like, my family, there ain't no way I can come out of this family and do the great things you're telling me to do. Sometimes the baggage we're carrying is our lineage. You know, but I love the scripture that says that, you know, we don't have to inherit the, 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 the feudal ways of our forefathers. Because we were bought by the blood of the lamb, right? We inherit a great inheritance from the Lord for this life and the life to come. It don't matter if you come from a ragtag, four generations down, kind of put together, messed up family. You still have a purpose. God still wants to use you to make a difference. It can, uh, it can be because of what people have said about you. You know, uh, also not only your family, but maybe what people said about you. Remember what they said about Saul? Can anyone become a prophet no matter who his father is? See, obviously he picked that up because not only would he maybe saw, but because of what people were saying about him, right? Look in, in, in verse tw uh, 10, 27. Uh, uh, now it says, but there were some scoundrels who complained. This was after Samuel, uh, you know, uh, proclaimed him as king. Saul is king, but there were some scoundrels who complained, how can this man save us? And they scorned him and refused to bring him gifts, but Saul ignored them. They complained. Samuel proclaimed and they complained. They complained that this guy is just a knucklehead, man, just in the modern, you know, bro bridge translation. This guy's a knucklehead. This a Look, his family, he's, there's no way. He's like, I'm not bringing that guy no gifts. I'm not honoring him. I'm not going to do that. Look at his family. 
So it might be the insecurity of yourself, of what you think of yourself, of your family, or maybe what people have been saying about you. Maybe, and this is a big one, could be the baggage from past hurts and wounds and in things that you've been scarred by coming up in your life or even not past like as a little kid, from, from being a little kid to even now. You know, there can be some things that have just really cut you and you just know that you're, you're hurting and you're bleeding inside and you don't think that because you're bleeding and you're, that God could ever use you. Listen, we must allow the Lord to heal us from our hurts and insecurities and stop listening to what the devil and what people are saying about us. See, a lot of times the enemy's whispering in our ear, you can't do that. You're no good. There's no way that you're going to accomplish that. Nobody's going to listen to you. Nobody's going to follow you. Nobody's going to want to do that kind of stuff. And sometimes it's people. Listen, this is profound. I want to encourage you to do what Saul did. Put verse 27 back up, Doug, if you don't mind. Look how profound. Look what Saul did. He ignored them. It's pretty powerful, huh? He ignored them. He, in that moment, he didn't listen to them. And, and listen, that's the importance of when you get in the word of God and find out who you are and what God says you are, it makes it easier to ignore the enemy and other people, what they say about you. Because when people tell you something that don't line up with the word of God, you can easily ignore it. Because you can say, I know that's not true because this is what the Bible says. And this is what the Lord says about me, right? It can be the baggage from like maybe some addictions that you've been dealing with in your life or maybe some constant conflict in our lives. There's a multitude of things. I'm just using some examples. But listen. Now I'm talking about step two. That's why step two on the journey is that we need to live free because we all have baggage that we need to get free from, right? We all have baggage we need to get free from. And so the, uh, next weekend, not this weekend, but next, again, we have our, uh, our freedom weekend. That's going to be October 20th through 21st, to, uh, Friday night and a Saturday. If you have not yet signed up for the freedom weekend, I want to encourage you to do that. That is going to be a way to free you from your baggage. Maybe as we've been talking in this whole series about your purpose and making a difference, you've been wanting to do something. There's something in your life you want to do, but you know there's something. Some of you might know what it is. Others, as Pastor Todd said Sunday, it's a block and you're not sure what it is, but you know there's something holding you back. If you have not signed up, you can go on the app, you can go on the website, you can go in the lobby and sign up for the Freedom Weekend. It's only $15. And, I mean, it's well worth the investment, right? We need to live free. We need to get free from our baggage so we can do what God has ordained, called, and destined us to do, right? Amen? So let's, let, let's start transitioning to the next point. Israel was about to go to war with the Philistines, and they were greatly outnumbered. So the, freaks was, the, the troops were starting to freak out. Not the freaks, the troops. The troops were starting to freak out. They were becoming freaks because they were freaking out. 1 Samuel 13, 7 and 14. You see, we all got some issues in our lives, you know. God called me to preach and I, I don't, I, I, you know, there's still some uh, vocabulary issues I'm dealing with. So 1 Samuel 13, 7 through 4 says this. Meanwhile, Saul stayed at Gilgal and his men were trembling with fear. Saul waited there seven days for Samuel, as Samuel had instructed him earlier, but Samuel still didn't come. Saul realized that his troops were rapidly slipping away, so he demanded, bring me the burnt offering and the peace offerings. And Saul sacrificed the burnt offering himself. Just as Saul was finishing with the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. Saul went out to meet him and welcomed him, but Samuel said, what is this you have done? 
Saul replied, I saw my men scattering from me and you didn't arrive when you said you would. And the Philistines were at Migmash ready for battle. So I said, the Philistines are ready to march against us at Gilgal and I haven't even asked the Lord's help. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering myself before you came. How foolish, Samuel exclaimed. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, listen to this, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must sin, for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Number two, I want to encourage you, don't move ahead of the Lord. Don't move ahead of God. I know, and, 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 and I, I preached a message on, on find your purpose, and I always love that. I always love preaching that it's ever since I've been saved and preaching, even in youth. You know, and, 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 but I want to encourage you, don't move ahead of the Lord. You might know what your purpose and whatnot is and what God and you see God has maybe given you a vision. But if it's not God's timing, don't move ahead of him. You can even see this with David. We're going to talk about that later. I remember hearing about, you know, uh, talking about David that, you know, uh, uh, David uh, was crowned, but he was not yet king. He was crowned. He was proclaimed king or he was proclaimed, but not yet crowned, should I say, as a young teenage boy. But it was years later before David became king like this. We see Saul was proclaimed king. David was, was, was anointed with all and all of that and still was serving King Saul for years. It wasn't his time yet. David could have pushed his way in and went and assassinated Saul and all this stuff because he knew he was going to be king. The prophet told him in front of a bunch of people, you're going to be the next king of Israel. And he knew that. He knew that was God's plan, purpose, and calling on his life, but he waited for the Lord's timing. Verse 10 always sticks with me, sticks out to me in this, in this verse. It says, just as Saul was finishing up the burnt offering, Samuel arrived. Man, think about how Saul must have felt. Like he waited, 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 waited. It was like, man, Samuel's not going to show up. Man, these guys, they're getting scared. They're fleeing. I'm going to just take this in, in my own hands. Because back then, you, as a king, it don't matter if you was the king. The, that, was a, that was a priestly prophet duty was to sacrifice. You couldn't do that. So you think, man, I'm going to just go ahead and do it. I'm calling upon the Lord. And right when he finishes, Samuel shows up. Think about the, the feeling he must have had in his stomach. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's true of us, too. We can do the same thing. You know, we can get impatient sometimes. And right when we try to do things and make things happen on our own, the Lord shows up in the way he wants to do it. But you know what? If, I've heard this for years, especially when it, it has to do with anything, especially our destiny, our purpose, where we're going in our life, trying to make a difference. If our hands are all up in the, in the bow, there's no room for the Lord's hand to be in there. So if we move ahead of the Lord and we try to start doing things, there's no room for the Lord's hand. And, you know, we can mess some stuff up. Now, listen, God and his grace can still bless us, but there can also be consequences for what we've done along the way. A great example of that is Isaac and Ishmael. Right. The Lord promised Abraham a son. He said, I will give you a son. You will have a son. But both him and Sarah were very, very old. And, and just like Saul, they got tired of waiting. They got tired of waiting, and so they ended up having another son through uh, one of uh, Abraham's servant named Ishmael. And guess what? Ishmael caused a lot of problems with the family. And if you follow the line, he's still causing problems to this day because of what happened with Ishmael. Now, did God still bless Abraham with, with his son? He did. 
He did give him Isaac. He blessed him with the chosen one, Isaac. And that's why now we say Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the, 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 the tribes of Israel came through that, including our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, came through that same lineage of the promised son, Isaac. But because he was impatient and moved ahead and couldn't wait anymore for his destiny, there were some consequences. And again, the world's still seeing it even today. I, I see that in my own life. I shared my story a couple of weeks ago about how the Lord showed me my purpose and how I came about it. And, 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 and I'm not going to repeat the whole story, but at the point where I knew God had called me into ministry, I was working in youth ministry under, under the second youth pastor I was serving under. And he was just here after the, the first youth pastor had stepped down. He said, Hey man, I'm just here, uh, in a room. I told the church, I would, Pastor Todd, I'd give him like three months. And then he said, listen, they're just waiting on you. Like they're waiting for you to say that you're ready. And then once you're ready, you go let them know. And, and, and then you're going to be the man. And I'm like, Dude, there ain't no way. <laughs> I was like, there ain't no way I'm going to knock on Pastor Todd's door and say, hey, I'm here. I'm ready. Pastor Todd hadn't even talked to me about anything. He didn't offer me anything. And you know what? I'm glad I didn't because he looked at it. He was going to be there for three months. He went at, 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 the, time, at the time we were, uh, we, we were doing a big movement, and they, a bunch of the pastors went out of the country to this huge conference, and they all got lit up, and he got on fire. He came back on fire, and he was the youth pastor for two years. How would I have looked if I would have took his advice and went tell Pastor Todd, hey, Pastor Todd, I'm ready. You know, like, you know, that that would have been going ahead of the Lord, right? I knew I wasn't ready. Praise God that I knew, like, dude, I'm not about to do that. I'm like, if God has called me, and, and, and I know he has, but if he's called me to be the next youth pastor of this church in God's timing, Pastor Todd is going to let me know that. God will let me know through Pastor Todd. And sure enough, one day I get a phone call and Pastor Todd and Tanya invited me and my wife over to their house and they offered us the position as youth pastors. And so, but you see how I was tempted. And I mean, and, and I'm not, it wasn't his fault. He, he was just trying to process all this too. The youth pastor, I'm not blaming him or nothing. He was just like, hey, this is what I'm seeing going on. You just let him know when you're ready. But I'm so thankful for both him and for me because I wasn't ready. And I learned a lot. You could about imagine. I learned a lot in those two years, right? So, I know this is my calling. I knew this was my destiny, but the time wasn't right. Let's not move ahead of the Lord, right? No telling what would have happened. One, I would have just, I think I would have looked foolish going, you know, telling Pastor Todd that. But no telling what else, you know, would have happened. Listen, when we start relying on ourselves instead of the Lord, it snowballs and we will make foolish decisions. And not that God will, that's why the name of this message is don't delay your, 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 your destiny. I, I truly believe the, the scripture that says that God's calling and his giftings could never be withdrawn. We talked about a couple of weeks ago. God designed you. He had a plan for you first. Then he designed you. It wasn't again. It wasn't like, oh, I'm a, let me see. Jaleesha, I just made her. Let me think. Mm, what am I going to do for Jaleesha? I'm going to have to figure this out. No, he had a plan and purpose for her and all of us. And then he created us, right? Just like I said, you build a building. You have plans first. You have blueprints, right? Then you build the building. You don't try to figure it out as you go. Well, it's the same thing. It's the same thing with us. So I believe that even if we, when we do, if and when we do mess up, we maybe move ahead of the Lord. It doesn't disqualify you, but sometimes it takes you on a detour. Some of you sitting here tonight might be on a detour. You know what God's called you. You know your purpose, your specific purpose, and how you should be making a difference. But maybe through choices of your own or whatnot or just hiding among your baggage, maybe you may be on a detour. But God still has that same purpose for your life. Amen? The third thing I want to encourage you is don't obey halfway. Don't obey halfway, right? I'm going to just set up the story. I had wrote out the, the whole scripture, but it's going to, for time's sake, I'm not going to read it all. So I'm going to just 
a lot of y'all, I'm not going to assume most, but a lot of y'all probably are familiar with the scripture in 1 Samuel, and, and I'll read the tail end of it. Samuel goes to Saul and says, hey, listen, the Lord wants to settle accounts with the Amalekites. The Amalekites were, was a pagan people that they were, the, the, the Israelites were fighting with on a constant basis, and they had done Israel great harm. So Saul said, hey, listen, Samuel told Saul, the Lord says, go and kill all of the Amalekites, like everyone. Every single one of these people, all of them, from the oldest to the youngest, and every single one of their animals, get rid of them, destroy them, do not leave a single person or animal living. This is a direct command from the Lord. Carry it out. So Saul goes out. They fight against the Amalekites. And he says he did what the Lord told him to do. But he brought the king back and he brought a bunch of animals back. So Samuel confronts Saul and says, hey, why didn't you do what the Lord told you to do? And Samuel, or Saul is like, I did do what the Lord told me to do. And Samuel's response is, what is the bleeding of sheep I hear in my ear? The bleeding like them, all that stuff, you know. He can hear animals in the back. And he said, well, well, I did what the Lord told me to do, but I took the king captive and, and I just kept some, some choice animals so we can sacrifice them to the Lord. Because that's pretty much what happened. If you read that story, it says that they took the choice animals that looked good to them. They didn't take anything poor or worthless. Later when he gets confronted, Saul says, I, I, I took them to, to sacrifice them to the Lord. But that's not what it says. He was making that up on the fly like because he knew he was in trouble. He knew that he messed up and that he didn't carry out the, the, the command of the Lord, but he tried to say, hey, I did do this. And this is what Samuel's reply was. I'll pick it up. I'm not exactly sure what verse, but it's towards the end, Doug. What is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and your sacrifices are your obedience to his voice. Listen. And he says, it with, you know, like a parent, you ever talk to your child and you're like, listen. Listen to me. You ever did that? Like, you know, kids trying to talk over you. you ever, especially, that's what I, the picture I have in my mind. You're trying to correct your child and they're talking over you. But mom, but dad, yeah, but, and you're just like, listen, listen, listen. That's what Saul was, was doing with Samuel. He was trying to justify why he did this. Samuel says, listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as witchcraft, sinful as witchcraft, and stubbornness is as bad as worshiping idols. So because you have rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you. Keep that up there for me, Doug, and thank you. Why don't we give Doug a round of applause? Doug is the man, by the way. Like, Doug knows, like, he just, Doug's like, don't worry, I'm going to find it real quick for you. Isn't that some strong language, y'all? I know a lot of y'all have read that. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. Right? Like, that's rebellion, not being obedient, not doing what the Lord tells us to do. And in his case, he's like, well, I did. And, and really, he, he was obedient like probably 85 to 90% he was obedient. He killed mostly everybody. He just kept the king and a few animals. So probably 90 to 95%. But we know that partial obedience is disobedience, right? Partial obedience is disobedience. This story makes that clear. Samuel makes it clear. Rebellion, disobedience is like witchcraft, and stubbornness is like worshiping idols. So, you know, we've all done it. Have you ever done that? Let's, let's be honest. Have we ever done that? We obey halfway, but then we make it sound spiritual. Right? That's what, that's what Saul did. He didn't fully obey, and he made it sound spiritual. I'm sacrificing these animals to the Lord. Come on, you can't be mad at me for doing that. I'm sacrificing this. To the Lord. 
You know, it's, again, it sounds like something a child would do. Hey, I told you an hour ago to go clean your room, but, but I wanted to go pray. Well, prayer's good, but you should have been cleaning your room. You better pray you don't get a heavy consequence now for not cleaning your room, right? It's like, you know, try to make it sound spiritual. Listen, guys, the most spiritual thing we can do is be obedient to the Lord. Be obedient first, and then we can do all the other stuff after. Because I'm telling you, that's the most spiritual thing. That is strong language in the Bible there, right? I'll give you another example, and I've seen this, and and, and I know I I might step on some toes here, but this is just a great example. I've seen people do this with their money. I've seen people do it with money when when, uh, they don't tithe. Biblical tithing says bring 10% to the storehouse, which is the church. And this is not putting pressure or condemnation. I'm just giving you an example. That's why we have four tithe boxes in the back. We teach biblical tithing. We don't pass an offering or or baskets for that. But I've heard people say that, man, well, you know what? I I don't tithe to a church. I just, I give my money to missions and to the poor people as I see fit. And, and so that's the same way of spiritualizing, like, you know what? I mean, I'm still doing something good. I'm giving my money. I already said, I give my 10%, but I give some of my 10% to missions, some to offerings, some to this. This is what I do with my 10%. Well, you know what? The truth of the matter is, one, you're taking matters into your own hands. The Bible commands that we bring the tithe in the storehouse, and it doesn't say you have the right to bring that tithe where you want it. But look at it this way. Brother Francis teaches on the tithe and the offering in a fantastic way. This is one of his life teachings. Matter of fact, he has a book. It's in the bookstore called The Kingdom's Economy. And he breaks down what this is. You see, the tithe is out of obedience, right? Any offerings and giftings on top of that is actually sacrifice, correct? Let's combine that back with that scripture. Put that back up, Doug. What does the Lord say? He rathers the one before it. He rathers obedience over sacrifice. So when people say, I don't tithe, I give it to offerings, I give it to missions, I give it to, he makes it clear he rathers obedience over sacrifice, right? So that's a clear, whether it's with our money or it's with our destiny, the same is true. If we're serving the Lord, we just, as we pray, if we're surrendered to the Lord, and listen, guys, I, I hope you know, I'm not fussing at you. I'm not trying to, you know, I, I'm saying this because I want you to live the fulfilled, abundant life. I know living in full obedience is going to bring the greatest fulfillment and the greatest uh, blessing upon your life in every area if we practice that obedience is better than sacrifice. Amen? All right, the fourth and final thing, and, and this is kind of ties into it, or this does tie into what I talked about last Wednesday. Number four, desire being with God before doing for God. Desire being with God before doing for God. Acts 13.22 says this. This is Acts referring back to, to Saul. But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Did you notice that going after God's heart was first, right? He said, I found a man after my own heart, somebody that desires me. And I know because he desires me and my heart, and to be with me, he's going to do what I tell him to do. So we got to make sure that, that if, if you're struggling with obedience, if you're struggling with your destiny, I'd go back again to being rooted in your relationship with the Lord. Because everything we do should be an overflow of who we are in him, our relationship with him, us being with him. It's interesting that we don't hear anything in all of First and Second Samuel about Saul's relationship with God. 
Go check it out. You don't hear him. The first time you see about David, it talks about him being a man after God's own heart or early on. We don't see nothing in there about Saul's relationship with God. See, there's a, there, that was the big difference between him and David. David, he messed up too. We know David messed up rawly a couple of times. But because David had a relationship with the Lord, he repented and he took his consequence. Saul, on the other hand, got angry and got bitter. And that's how his life ended. His life ended in a bitter, angry rage towards David and because the kingdom had got stripped from him. But you know what? His, his, his position and his calling and all of this stuff, even though God chose him, wasn't rooted in relationship. David's was. Noah is another great example in the Old Testament, right? You remember Noah? Genesis 6, 9 says, Noah was a righteous man, the only blameless man living on the earth at the time. Look what it says. He walked in close fellowship with God. That's in verse 9. Now look at verse 22. So Noah did everything exactly as God had commanded him. Look at the next chapter, 7, 5 says, so Noah did everything as the Lord commanded him. You remember what Noah did, right? He built that little piro. You remember that? Remember? Put a bunch of those animals in that little piro, right? But see, it's amazing. Noah builds this huge ark, basically saved the world and his family. But it starts with his heart after God. He was in close fellowship with the Lord. And so the Lord knew he would be obedient to to, to build this huge ship and it hadn't even rained. There was no water anywhere around him, but he knew, hey, this man knows my heart and he's in close fellowship with me. So he's going to do what I tell him. David's the same thing. We see that, right? The apostle Paul, once Paul gets radically saved, man, that dude was so in love with Jesus. You know, he, the Lord knew he could use him to literally turn the world upside down and write most of the Bible that we're reading today, right? It starts with fellowship first. A desire to live out our destiny should come from delighting in our relationship with the Lord. So let's recap. Number one, stop hiding among your baggage. God has a purpose for you. He, he, he has a, a certain purpose. We need to live free so we can find out what our purpose is and make a difference. Again, our Freedom Weekend next weekend is going to be a great way to do that. Also, we have three days in prayer fasting next weekend, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. We'll have prayer meetings here every evening at 6.30 p.m. That's a great way to just continue to allow the Lord to help you to, to get free. Uh, number two, don't move ahead of the Lord. Don't move ahead of the Lord. Listen, we have Growth Track. Growth Track 3 is going to be this Saturday. And, and this is the one, if you're in the Growth Track or if you haven't joined yet, this is the one where you find out what your spiritual gift is and your personality test is. And you know what? If you don't know that yet, if you haven't jumped in, I encourage you, jump in this Sunday. And like Pastor Todd said Sunday, don't just find out what your gift is. Go do something with it. Go make a difference. It blessed me today. I had a young man sitting in my office today, and he was struggling with a few things, and I love it. He sat there, and he said, man, I just, I don't know. I'm not sure what I should be doing. He said, I just want to make a difference. That was his exact words. I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. Amen. And just tried to walk with him and encourage him, give him some advice and pray with him. And then again, desire being with God before doing for God. Why don't you go ahead and stand up with me? You know, maybe you're here tonight, and as I say that, as I close on that last point, maybe you, you, when I say desire being with God, and I talked about relationship with God, you're not exactly sure what that means. Or what do you mean being with God? Well, again, I always use the illustration of my wife and I, my wife and I, my beautiful bride standing here on the front row. Well, obviously, we are in a relationship. Almost 14 years now, in January, we've been married, right? So we're in a relationship, and longer than that, we've been together. And so, you know, if 
I want to be with her. I want to do things with her. I want to, of course, we live together, right? We sleep in the same bed together. We do things together. I want to be with her because I'm in relationship with her. You know, 17 plus years ago, I didn't know her. I didn't want to be with her. I know she didn't want to be with me. I didn't even know her, right? So the first step on the journey is you got to know God. I had to meet my wife first before I can start spending time with her and become in a relationship with her. So tonight you might say, Brandon, you know, I don't even know if I'm in a relationship with God. I don't even know. I I've, I've know about God and I've heard about God. I've been coming to church for a long time, but, but I don't know if I know God intimately. How do I do that? Well, it first starts with us knowing that we have to turn away from, from our sins. Some of our baggage, I didn't mention this earlier, could actually be sin in our life. It can be sin. It can be the baggage of sin. The Bible says we've all sinned and fall short of God's glorious standard. But the good news is, that's the bad news. The good news is that the Bible says that Jesus loves us so much, or the Father loves us so much, he sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to take our place, to die on a cross. And you know what? The things that we've done, the sin that we've committed, it really deserves a consequence. But Jesus came and took all of that punishment, all of the consequence on himself that the Bible says if we believe in him, which means trust in him, receive him and repent of our sins, it means to turn away that the Lord will forgive us, that he'll save us. He'll save us from our sin, from our baggage. That's part of freeing us and also save us from eternity, separated from him so we can spend eternity with him. Do me a favor, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you know, if you just say, Brandon, you know, I don't, I'm not sure if I'm in a relationship with God. You might even say, man, I've been coming to church a long time. I do the church thing. I show up here on Wednesdays and Sundays. I even read my Bible. I, I go here. I do that. I, I listen to a Christian radio. But man, you're talking about being with God and fellowshipping with God and communicating with God. I don't know if, I've, if I'm doing that. I don't know if I'm in a true, genuine relationship with the Lord. Or you say, man, I know I'm not right with God. I know I got sin in my life. I know that if I... Man, if, if, if tonight was my last night on earth, I'm not sure where I'd end up. If you like, man, I, I'm not sure. Or you say for sure, Brandon, I don't know. But tonight, I want to know for sure. I want to start a relationship with God. I want to be made right with God. I want to be forgiven of my sin. Nobody's looking around. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If that's you, just say, Brandon, I want to make sure I'm right with God. And I want to start that relationship with him. Just slip up your hand. If that's you, slip up your hand. And I want to pray for you. I see your hand back there, young man. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. Anybody else? Thank you for being bold. I see your hand over here, sir. Ma'am, I see your hand. Anybody else? Thank you, Jesus. Come on, this is an important part of the service. The most important part right here is you can you can know God. You can begin the journey tonight by knowing God intimately. Ma'am, I see your hand over here. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Hey, for all of you that raised your hand, and maybe some of you that didn't, but you, you feel your heart pounding and you know you need to do something right now. We're all going to pray a simple prayer. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you shall be saved. It's by faith, the Bible said. We're saved by grace through faith. It's you believing and trusting in him. So I just want to lead you in a simple prayer to do that. We're all going to pray together. Let's just say, Lord Jesus, Lord, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for dying for me. I thank you, Lord, for making a way for me to be in relationship with you. Lord, I receive you tonight. I receive your salvation. And I ask that you would forgive me of my sins. Lord, I turn away from my sin and I turn to you. Now, Lord, give me the grace and give me the strength to live for you all the days of my life. I want to know you, Lord, in a very close and intimate way. I make you my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.
and amen. Come on, why don't we give the Lord a, a hand clap and give a hand clap to those who prayed that prayer. Hey, congratulations for all you that raised your hand. I just want to congratulate you. Listen, before you leave, just take about 30 seconds. There's a card in the pew in front of you. It says, I made a decision. Do me a favor. Just fill that card out before you leave. You can either bring it to me, my wife and I, one of the ushers, or in the, the info center in the lobby. We would like to give you a Bible. If you need some help getting started, we have some literature for you. We want to help you get connected because it's not just knowing God, but it's also you want you to live free. We want you to find your purpose and to make a difference. Come on, let me pray over you right now. Father, I pray for everyone here tonight. And I just pray your grace, your peace, your power, and your provision to be upon each and every person here tonight. Be with them as they go, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, listen, if you need prayer for anything as well, regarding this or anything else, we'll be up here. If not, God bless y'all. Y'all have a wonderful evening.